Hi, I'm Martin McDonald. And I'm Sophia Fabili. The Thousand Islands Playhouse may have closed its doors this season, but our podcast lives on. While the artists are waiting in the wings and aren't on our stages, we're connecting with them at home to hear how they're exercising their creativity during the pandemic. Welcome to the Thousand Islands Playhouse podcast, at home edition. Welcome back to the Playhouse Podcast. Marta and I are in studio today. We are so delighted to have our next guest. Let me tell you all about him. John Dinning, for 40 years, has been a designer of sets, props, and costumes, as well as a scenic artist, painting for ballet, opera, and theater. He's also taught at various schools, including the National Theatre School of Canada, McGill University, Montreal, Concordia University, Bishops, Keene State University in New Hampshire, full-time faculty, and Dalhousie. He's a graduate of the National Theatre School in 1980 and a member of the Associated Designers of Canada. Thousand Islands Playhouse audiences will remember him from our past productions of Anne and Gilbert, Secret Garden, Beggar's Opera, and Real Estate. He also designed last season's smash hit production of Ring of Fire, which had a gorgeous set, and was slated to design Perfect Wedding in 2020. And if you ever wandered around the other side of the Springer Theater and saw a beautiful mural on the side of the theater, that is also John's work. John, welcome to our podcast. Hello. Hi, John. Hello, hello. I'm so happy to be here for you folks. Oh yes, my gosh, we're happy it, to have you. The pleasure is all ours. You're calling in from Montreal, I believe. Is that right? I am. I'm sitting right here in my studio in my apartment in Montreal. Amazing. And it's a kind of a gray kind of gray today. It yeah. is. It's a bit gray but, here, too. But the sunshine is right here in front of me on the screen. <laughs> oh, my goodness, John <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Dinning. The flattery already. You're already hired on the season. Okay, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're the um, best. <laughs> uh, well, let's start with our first segment. So we ask our all of our uh, guests to bring a drink of choice, alcoholic or non-alcoholic, that we can share together so that we feel like we're together in person, even though we're apart and I can only see you over Zoom. John, what are you uh, drinking? I am drinking mineral water on ice with lemon juice. Lovely. It's Delicious. really, really refreshing, and you, you get a really good vitamin C and A from, from the lemon. So it, and the mineral water is full of all kinds of essential minerals for you, so it's a really good, refreshing drink that mm-hmm. way. Mind you, if you want to kick it up a notch, throw in some gin. <laughs> I know. We could have done that. If we were recording later in the day, maybe we would have done a shot of gin. Yeah. Next, <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah. Next, next time. Next time. Cheers next, to you. Um, next time we'll do it. Cheers, John. Thanks so much for joining us. This is such a treat. Cheers. Cheers. Mmm. Okay, so let's dive in because our the whole concept for this podcast was us asking artists who would have been in Gananoque with us this season, asking them the question, how are you sustaining your creativity during this weird, weird and wild time? And John, I think your answer is so fascinating and charitable and we're going to dig into the various ways that you're, that you're doing this, but John is essentially using his design skills to create things for different companies so that they can fundraise. John... You are so sweet. Tell us about Neptune and Calendar Girls and, and that show, and we'll start there. Well, I really, I really enjoyed working on Calendar Girls. I mean, we did open. It was a huge opening night. Um, the previews were packed and standing ovations. It was a great show. The, uh, the, uh, the audience just loved the ladies on stage. And so we opened and we ran for a week, and then we shut down because of the COVID, which right. was a very sad situation for us. And then Jeremy desperately wanted to make sure that he could raise some money for Neptune Theater because of all the situations of canceled shows. And so he asked for donations. And I thought about it and went, I've got to do something for the company. I love the company. I've been part of it for such a, 
such a long time. Mm-hmm. And so um, in the show, there is a photographer that draws um, presentational sketches for the uh, different actors on stage to show how he's going to film them. And so I did these pencil sketches of them in the nude, in behind props and stuff like that. You don't really see that much, but you do understand that they're nude. And so they, they were big presentational sketches, about 22 inches by 18 inches. Okay. And I did, all, I did all of the months, except for the last three, just only because I ran out of time. But all the ones that were mentioned in the script I managed to get done. And I thought about it, and I thought, you know, you know what we could do? Uh, we could donate those sketches. So what I did is I finished off the rest of the month, and I sent them to Jeremy Webb, who is the artistic director of Neptune, and told him, I said, these are yours. Why don't you auction them off and, and raise some money for the company that way? You can either actually make your own calendar from these sketches or, and sell them that way, or you can print them onto T-shirts, or you can sell off the originals as a group or individually. I leave that up to you, but I am donating all of those sketches to the Neptune um, because I don't need them. I've got copies of them. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I've got digital copies of them on my computer, so um, I don't need to actually have them. The only thing that w- I would have done is I would have sent them to Guelph University for the Theater Museum there. Where but you archive, thought, you archive your designs yeah, the there. Archives are there, yeah. That's right. And just to give people context who are listening in, Halifax uh, is the home to Neptune Theater, where Jeremy Webb is the artistic director. And mm-hmm. just for some extra context, John does all his design by hand, which is if you ha- get a chance to ever see his design, we'll put some stuff up on Facebook so people can see some of the incredible things that you have designed, John. It's like spellbinding when you look at you know how much work that is and how most people are doing it all online it's insane like it's just wild what you're able to well, do it's, you, yeah. see, you see the thing the thing is i it's always been an art it is an art form designing for the stage is an art form and a lot of people just think of it well as a craft it is not it is an art form and i have always loved drawing i've always loved painting and i i did try doing some sort of computer computer generated work um, but it left me cold. I, I like the feel of a pencil on a piece of paper. I like the push and resistance of the brush on the canvas. Um, I love playing with color in a very loose sort of way. And, and the computer just wasn't doing it for me. And so I've continued to do my hand-drafted stuff. Um, I was ridiculed for it for a while, about maybe eight or ten years ago, and now and now it's actually flipped the other way. <laughs> uh, now, now carpenters are guns. thrilled that they get hand drafted uh, drafts and drawings. Totally. From, so it's really kind of it's kind of fun that way. Well, fact, I know I Mark. Have, I remember Mark. Mark, I do Hunt. have my sketchbook in front of me, actually. Let's oh yeah, see. This, let's see. These 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 are rough sketches that I did of Peter Pan. Oh my gosh! <laughs> we just Amazing. snapped a photo and yeah, we'll, we'll share it online too. Yeah, that was uh, that was for the Lost Boys um, hideout in Peter Pan in Singapore. Yeah. Well, speaking of, yeah. uh, you work with uh, the company called Wild Rice in Singapore. That's right, right? Correct. Yeah, Correct. and you did another charitable act during this time for them as well, right? We did some T-shirts yeah. or something. Tell us about that. Well, what I actually, again, the same sort of situation, I, I saw a video of Ivan Hang, who's the artistic director, and my director on Peter Pan, and he's a dear, dear friend, and he was in the theater by himself alone, and he was being videotaped, and he was asking for people to donate money, otherwise the theater won't exist, 
And the pain in his oh voice gosh. was just too much for me. And I went, Ivan, I'm sorry. I, there's nothing I can do. Um, I can't give you money. I'm a, I'm a Canadian artist. <laughs> I don't have the funds to actually donate. But what I can donate is my time and my talent and my experience. That I've got. So what I first did is um, I did Marjorie Prime here at the Siegel Center, and he was very, and I gave him the script, and he was interested in that in it. And so um, during the course of this pandemic, what I did is I redesigned Marjorie Prime for Wild Rice Theater for a thrust, which is what they've cool. got. They have a, a brand new proscenium thrust stage, and so I sent him all the drawings for that, and just said, "There you go." Anytime you want to do it in your next season, when you finally get up and running, there you go. You got the design ready to go. And then I thought of other things I can do, and he doesn't know this yet. <gasps> but what what I decided to do was to do a number of different um, sketches and designs for T-shirts that they can sell. Um, a limited edition of T-shirts. Um, the the, um, the boys that we worked with um, for the the costumes are from Bangkok. And they have a they have a fashion company there, and so they're used to actually printing their own um, patterns and stuff. So I went, oh. well, maybe they can donate their services by taking my designs and putting them on T-shirts. Yeah. And so, so you know, I did I did stuff like this. Oh, oh wow. my gosh! Do they ship to Gananoque? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I did. I did a few things like that. I did a, a phoenix. Rising from the from the fires with the medallion that has Wild Rice name in. Yeah, oh, wow. wow, those are so cool. So, uh, you know, and a lion. A lion is the tr- traditional sim- symbol of Singapore. Okay. So I thought of that, and and of course the lion has got the medallion of Wild Rice Theater in its mouth. That's incredible. So, a Canadian designer. How did you get linked up with a company in Singapore? John? Good question. <laughs> Well, that is a very good question, and it goes back for a very long time. Uh, Michael Dobbin used to be the artistic director of Alberta Theatre Projects, mm-hmm. where, where I did do a number of shows. He ended up doing a, um, M. Butterfly um, for, for ATP, and he hired um, Ivan Hang to, to play um, the M., uh, Miss M., um, in the in the production, and so they became fast friends, and then Ivan went off and established Well Rice Theater in Singapore, right. and then then Michael wanted to do a show there and something that Ivan would be really great to be in, and so they decided to do the pleasure of seeing her again, mm-hmm. Michelle Tremblay's play, mm-hmm. which I did do the original English production of that. Oh my gosh, Nick, that's a classic Canadian play. Yeah, with Nikki Cavendish. Um, and so Michael knew that, and so he said, do you want to come to Singapore with me? And I went, oh. Yes. Uh, okay. Like oh, it of came course. Out of the <laughs> and all of a sudden, I was packing to go to Singapore. Um, I had such a great experience there and with the company, and so they have been hiring me on occasion to come back and do something with them. And then what's really nice is then I try and put into the um, area um, all the knowledge that I happen to know, like, for instance, training people to be scenic painters they have none they only have they only have one at the moment um and she i trained her 12 years ago oh my gosh she's she is the scenic artist in singapore right now oh my gosh but you've trained a lot of people too right because education is a big part of what you do and you must have students everywhere at this point like you must have trained so many amazing people 
Well, they are all over the place. I mean, in the five years that I worked at uh, teaching at Dalhousie, I managed to produce at least five scenic painters. Um, not, uh, one that's leaning towards being a scenic artist. They are two completely different positions, mm-hmm. scenic painters and, and being a scenic artist. What's the difference? Because I'm not sure well, if I know the difference. Well, the difference is, is that a scenic painter can do all kinds of textures, like wood grain, marbling, stonework, brickwork, that sort of thing. A scenic artist can take a John Singer Sargent painting and paint it 30 feet high and, yeah. and 18 feet across. They have the ability to draw and understand perspective right. and be able to Scale. do perspective yeah. painting as well. To like do a big backdrop or do a huge set piece or something like yeah. that. Okay, I understand. And you yeah. do both, in right? Fact, in fact, I think, I think in my portfolio that I gave you, um, in that is One Man, Two Governors, which I designed mm-hmm. for for um, Theatre Calgary about three, three, four years ago. And it's completely scenic painted. There is no real molding on anything. It's all in perspective, and it's all flat. Wow. And different flats that are cut out in, in a series of, of um, layers in order to get the three-dimensional quality of it. So cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's all done by hand. I kept stressing that on opening night to, when I was talking to the audience. I said, you have to understand this has all been done by hand yeah. by, by about 12 Sometimes people. it's unbelievable, you know. Um, yeah. So, John, just for our audiences to get a bit of perspective, as a designer, mm-hmm. approximately how many shows have you had postponed that you were working on? I mean, in terms of this pandemic? Yeah, mm-hmm. like whether they were like, oh, like you said with Calendar Girls, like it was already in process and Perfect Wedding. Well, I think there's been a total of four at yeah. the moment. Yeah, um, wow. And, and you see, the problem is, too, is that I was right in the middle of doing a show. Yeah. Um, Os- Oslo for, for the Siegel Center. Okay. We were one week away f- for starting rehearsals. And then wow. it got shut down. Right. The, set, the set's built. Oh, my you know? gosh. It's in, it's, in, it's in storage at the moment, but it's built. And so now we've been trying to find out when it's actually going to come back and be presented again. It might not happen for two years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I know we had some beautiful designs started for Perfect Wedding that we had of yours, too. Uh, that's so exciting. John, can you give us a little, t- like, for folks who saw Ring of Fire, I think they'll remember the incredible set that you created. So much texture and architecture, like, just such, like, when you walk into this ring, you're just like, oh, my gosh. It's just, yeah. it was a magnificent. And it, ch- and it morphed and so it many changed. times. Yeah. yeah. So can you give us a little sneak peek of you mean, what? You're, ta- you're, you're talking about Ring of Fire. Yes, is we're that, talking about Yes. Um, it, it was an interesting aspect, and one of the things that what Brett and I did talk about is the fact that we didn't want to get we didn't want to get too area specific with it because mm. the fact that there are so many different songs in it, and we go to kind of different locations. It had to have a certain kind of neutrality, right. but a kind of kind of feeling, and so we kind of went with um, the the shape of a gambrel roof. And a gambrel roof is the traditional roof you see on a barn. Yeah. It also happens to be the backdrop of, of the Grand Old Opry. That's right. Is, is a barn in that shape. And then um, having the choroplast panels behind the framework, so it's kind of like, it, it's kind of like frosted glass, and then making it really dirty. Uh, so that when it was backlit, it wasn't nice and clean, it was dirty, and there was a sense of that everywhere there was age and sort of rust and um, 
you know, chairs that weren't completely painted well or had been broken down and stuff. So we could get a bit of that grit and that sensibility of what Johnny Cash was all about. Yeah. And the, what country music is really all about, you know, totally. about the human, human psyche and how it struggles to survive sometimes in relationships and um, just in general living, for instance, too. And so we wanted to have a certain amount of grit there, but still a kind of a bit of a polish at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I think... I think we hit it. I think we did hit it. For know? sure. I think so, you did too. Yeah, I remember the, like, talkie, that kept coming back to the Empire of Dirt from, is that in Creep? The cover of yes. Creep, <laughs> yeah. Because he talks about being in his Empire of yes, Dirt. And yes, it's kind of yes, yes. Like yeah, you must do cool. so much research, John. Like I think er- so. Everything is is so intentional and carries so much meaning. What's your process like when you start? Like when you started working on Perfect Wedding, what was your? Where was your Perfect Wedding for those listening in? Was a big farce that we were going to be doing this August at the theater. How did you approach designing that show? Well, first of all, I had to meet with um, our director Krista, and she was. It was the first time that we had ever met. Oddly okay. enough. We had a lot of people that were in common. Of course, and, yeah. And I have to mention to everybody, also your viewers, is the fact that uh, Ring of Fire was the first time I worked with Brett as well. Yeah, that's right. And we, and we got along extremely well, as I have with Krista. And so we wanted to have something to have a little fun. And, and we just talked about having it sort of not be realistic as much as it sort of wants to. Mm, the big cool. thing, the big thing with farces, is the fact that all the doors and all the furniture have to be in the right place, so the choreography. Of the <laughs> so true. So true. It sounds simple, but it's so important. No, it's very, very important. If the door where the big main entrance is for the big joke happens and is too far over to stage right or stage left, it loses its impact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You want it as close to center as possible so that everybody can see that particular moment. Yes. So it, it, it's stuff like that that we kind of looked at. And, um, you know, within 15 minutes, we had a ground plan. And then I just worked from there. Amazing. Uh, just to let people know, a ground plan is what it, uh, a plan view of how the set actually sits on the stage, where the walls go, where the furniture yeah. goes. Like and that becomes the, the setup kind of choreography for something like a farce. Mm-hmm. Totally. And fingers crossed we will be able to one day safely produce Perfect Wedding so we can see your <laughs> luminous set and see that hilarious show directed by Krista Jackson, who was previously on this podcast, mm-hmm. and you can listen to her episode. Oh, was, she, was, she, was she really? Was yes. she on the podcast? Yeah. Oh. She, just, she yes. talked about her vast amount of reading that she's been doing. During oh, the pandemic, sure. she's been reading through a whole library of books and being, yeah, she's incredible. And so, yeah, cool connections. Well, I think it's time to segue into our last segment. Unfortunately, I know we right. could talk to you forever, um, but it is this or that pandemic edition for our loyal listeners. You obviously know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, John, we're going to ask you a series of questions that will break down how you spent your quarantine and what kind of habits you developed during the pandemic. Sound good? Okay. Feel yep. free to to let us know if you feel like you need to justify yourself or just give us a straight shot answer. Early <laughs> riser or night owl? I'm kind of in the middle. In the I, middle, a little bit of both. I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle because it's totally dependent on what I'm doing at the time. If I'm doing um, a tech run or something like that, it's very late. Sure. By the right. time I get to bed, or if I really need to get into paint really early in the morning, just to, so I I can do it with nobody around. I, I'm an early bird that way. So 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 it, it so it adjusts. You're basically. chameleon. 
Yes. Chameleon sleeper. During, during, uh, during quarantine, were you sweats or dressed? I was dressed. Yeah? I, I, oh, no. I could have oh, guessed no. I that, totally I got feel. dressed. In fact, in fact Rachel, Rachel, very funny, because I will actually get dressed and come into the studio, but dressed in a vest and a tie. I was going to say full cravat was what I was <laughs> yeah. John is yeah, very well-dressed, man. Deal. The, the, you know, the brogues, the brogue shoes, the really yep. good socks. you got to do it. I think you're you the classiest person. I've got it sitting there. Why, am, why, not? <laughs> why not wear it? I have so many clothes I haven't worn yet that I bought. Um, okay, uh, DIY or online buy? Oh, I'm, I prefer buying, not online. Buying. I don't like buying online at all. Sure. Um, because I've been hacked a couple of times. Oh, that's not uh, good. But the, my, but the problem is for me is that more and more art supplies are going online as opposed to being in um, bricks and mortar. Companies. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. Um, bake all day or takeaway? A little bit of both, actually. A little both? Yeah, um, a little bit of both. Zoom party or Zoom fatigue? <laughs> I think Zoom party. Yeah. Yeah, um, come on. Working out or on the couch? That's uh, kind of in between. Yeah. A little uh, bit yes, of both. Take everything in moderation both, yeah. with John here. <laughs> Work hard, play hard. Yeah. <laughs> Read the book or watch the movie? Uh, I do both, actually. Both. Um, and what has been your quarantine jam? What song has been getting you through this time? Oh, if you had to pick one. Well, well, music. actually, actually, it's it's uh, that's a difficult one to say because in a lot of cases it's classical music. Sure. Yeah, when I'm a working specific... in my studio, I listen to classical music. Do you have like a specific style or artist that you? I like I like Mozart and Bach. Sure. Primarily, you know, I love the operas of uh, Mozart. Mm-hmm. And, and throw in some Vivaldi, and you got me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uncork, uncork the champagne and just let it. Pour. Yes, while you wear your cravat and your dress shoes. Yeah, John, you're the classiest person I know. <laughs> and um, and finally, um, if you got to choose anywhere in the world, what is your ultimate quarantine location? Knock on wood, we're, we're, we don't have to go back into lockdown, but say we did. Where would you oh, ideally want to be? Well, Montreal's fine for me. Like, I'm, the city just, even in, in quarantine, it was still living. Like, it was still doing its damn sure. best to keep going. And I have worked in every single major city and every province of this country. And it's still by far the city that I prefer to live in. Sure, yeah. Next to Gananoque, of course. Obviously. Number two oh, well, excuse me, yes. is Gananoque. You know, but but Gananoque <laughs> is kind of like a, a runaway fantasy place for mm-hmm. me. Oh, it's so sweet. Well, listen, John, it's such a pleasure. You've had such an incredible career and continue to have such an incredible career. Um, we can't wait to have you back at the Playhouse. And thank you so much for lending your time to us this afternoon to appear on our podcast and chat with us. It's been such a treat. Oh, listen, you know, you can do this anytime with me. We can, we can <laughs> we'll start an start entire subset of the podcast that's just chats with John. well we also want to give a very hearty thanks to mark hunt who is tip's head carpenter who composed the music for this podcast this podcast is produced by my fm gananoque thank you to terry lynn for her help we're recording today on the traditional land of the huron wendat and haudenosaunee peoples please follow us at thousandislandsplayhouse.com bye john thank you you so much Bye, bye bye bye